2: Believers and Believers, welcome to Leaving Hillsong. You've reached the 101st episode and that is so exciting. I'm so grateful to everybody who has supported and stood by us as we continue to spread that message that you can get out and it's okay on the other side. My name's Tanya and I am the subject of part two of this interview today with Luke Hilton and you know i hate the self-promotion when you grow up around the grifters and the con men that uh we have all come to know as the pastors um it's it's really really hard it's it's i go like me no same as like yeah fundraising asking for money and stuff is so hard but when Sean brought it up, um, I thought, well, you know, he's got so much extensive history in trauma and stuff, he might be able to... There's some more sophisticated questions than how did you start at church. Uh, but Luke has done this stunning job of getting some of the stuff out that I'd like you to know before we investigate further what's taken place with what the secrets of the secrets of Hillsong are, why the exploited were exploited by such devious means so I wanted to establish a bit of credibility since the producers and directors of Vanity Fair did not explain why I open my mouth the way I do and as time has gone on lots of people don't know about the book they might know a bit about the podcast and I'm going to start unpacking what the hell happened over the last two years to culminate in was that the only other example I can think of of late? Is Borat, where people were tricked into interviews and scenes, but like they weren't spiritual abuse victims. So you know, if you can think of any other situations like that, let us know. It's all quiet on the Western Front from the producers of Van at Vanity Fair. Not interested. Promised all kinds of words: sensitive and inclusive reach out. Anyway this is me. Uh, There won't be an ending. You know I love you and and appreciate you all more than you could ever understand and I'm so grateful for what has become our little community here 100 episodes in Thanks guys Keep leaving Hillsong Here's me and Luke talking about me in Carl and the Trouble at Vanity Fair Part 2 so it, it's
1: fascinating to me because it took a long time from when Brian announced his father's moral failings, quote unquote, moral failings, for it to finally get to the point where it's like, wait, hold on a second. No one reported this. Hmm. Were you as surprised as everybody else was when you found out that they had completely missed the boat on their legal and moral obligation?
2: we'll have to be really careful here cuz we can't speculate. Of um, course.
1: More I'm sorry. more asking about your reaction to to hearing that this was this was the allegation.
2: Look it's an interesting one out of all the things that take place in this organisation it's interesting that that's the one that has come before the courts
1: one I mean, of the like, ones because there's more.
2: Well, <laughs> my, well look my my shock hasn't been too huge I guess because you know after that announcement where Brian made that announcement about Frank I pretty much thought that would be the end of the story I mean surely no Christian would want to go to a church that was founded by a pedophile and I I used the opportunities when the book came out I was like you know everyone's going to know that this place was founded by a pedophile and all of the journalists said to me where does the money go so they weren't particularly interested they want to know where the money went
1: well and see i think a big part of the reason why people were thinking down that process was they were still seeing hillsong as a juggernaut as a gigantic multimedia organization and remember at this point frank being a pedophile wasn't actually common knowledge because like you said when it was announced it was announced as a serious moral failing i don't Mm. think it was widely understood until after frank passed away. But that's what the allegation was.
2: And I mean, even for me, I'd never seen Frank preach. I didn't know who he was. I figured he was some old man. You know, people don't really care about those. You know, you care about what's young and new and in front yeah. of you, and not yeah. Some Pat Mesiti and, and, and know, Christine
1: Kane and Scott Samways and Phil Dooley. they were the—they were the names that you wanted to see on stage. Like Frank was just okay. Old yeah, man.
2: I, I didn't know who he was. I wasn't. You know, I didn't go to the city. um i hadn't seen all that so it didn't really mean anything to me until i kind of had worked it all out and right before the announcement we had a me and a friend had sat in front of the my little strawberry imac that i had at the time and found this website by a guy called philip powell who had written up all this stuff about frank Frank had been questioned in New Zealand by a pastor and denied these. So there was all this kind of stuff, but who was, I don't know who Frank was. Who's Frank? You know, Brian's father mm. or okay, whatever. But yeah, you know, as it came out and it became, yeah, it became, I was going to say it became obvious. It didn't, it wasn't obvious initially. It It was, yeah. it was so minimised it was so kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, long time ago, nothing, nothing, fine. And then, you know, the standard, what business is it of yours? Anyway, in terms of how they approached it, it was it was pretty clear, even from that initial announcement, that children were not the priority and safeguarding children was not going to be the priority out of this. So from that point, You've got to know kids are not safe at Hillsong because if they're not going to address the most famous public kind of out in the open one properly, you've got to know they're not going to, you know, they're not going to deal with the little guy any better.
1: And look we we came to find that out after the um the royal commission into institutionalized child sexual abuse there was uh, a a new i guess was it a code of conduct that was put forward that they wanted all of these christian churches to sign up to and hillsong was a lager i don't even know that hillsong actually went ahead and signed off on that did they
2: i think it's the redress scheme which uh yeah. you know churches Sign up to, and then victims can approach for financial redress and, I don't know, possibly, apologies or whatever else. And yeah, Hillsong was very—I th- I believe they're signed up now, but they were very, very late. They were the like
1: one of the one of the last churches, one of the last known churches around the the, the country that signed up to that—it was fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so so now we now we've we've established who you are. We've established your history in the Hillsong Church. We've established there was a relationship between your father, who who sadly is passed. And 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 Brian and Bobby and fast forward a couple of decades and you bumped into Brian and Bobby Houston court just a few weeks ago.
2: Yes. Yeah, but I'm not talking. Um I you know, it's funny. People were so supportive throughout I attended the three weeks of Brian's recent criminal trial in local court and it's not that far from where I live. It's just a little bus ride. And it's just so it turned out that this was tried in a local court of like a small room with kind of 20 seats for the public, including the accused and his supporters. So because it's giving, uh, it's, that's
0: giving
1: me the, the the teacher's pet chris dawson trial kind of vibes you know like you, you've got this right. big high profile thing going yeah. on being tried in a very small court with a limited number of people who are allowed to visit there's no dock there's no it's just like an empty room with nothing to draw your attention to aside from the man at the front
2: it was fascinating i mean these are courts that usually see driving matters or you mm. know the lowest category of criminal activity that takes place in society you know jaywalking kind of yeah. stuff um, yeah and people have been so supportive and telling me you know you're so brave and stuff but that's just brian that's that's brian i remember him from when i was a kid like it's i i and we talked about this didn't we luke that a lot of people don't know that brian didn't just kind of burst onto the scene as, a, yeah. as this success he, you know they came from nowhere nowhere in New Zealand and started out with not much money in their pocket you know back when we knew them back when your mum was
1: when your mum was slipping Brian 20 bucks for dinner 20 that bucks night right? I
2: <laughs> when, Brian, you know, when Brian was complaining that the, the shower took you know five minutes to warm up in the morning the hot water so
1: oh bless he was human know? once
2: <laughs> he had to wait for things back in the day so yeah i mean these these were just and i mean also at the time the pastors used to work full-time jobs and then yeah do their thing on weekends except for the one guy brian who did it full-time so now tell me tell me yeah
1: what what i want to know so you have this history with hillsong it's it's a pretty bumpy history you've got letters you've got court cases you've got you know overturned criminal convictions all that kind of stuff did Brian notice you when you were at the court case?
2: Well, I mean, there weren't many people in the room. Um, He would have noticed all of us, yeah, yeah.
1: Did he say um, anything to you?
2: Yeah, all right, why not? We can do it now. Um, it was weird, like, because it's a small court and there's a narrow hallway just outside. So just in the general comings and goings of getting in and out of the, the building and the courtroom I mean it was funny so we ended up there was kind of a line outside the court every morning just in case because if two extra people had turned up you'd miss your seat and so sort of every morning around nine o'clock during this trial you know you join the line there was me and the framework guy and a couple of journalists and Brian and Bobby and various relatives It was like people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for this opportunity to be in the same hallway. The first thing, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we bumped into each other and just like normal people, you know, say, oh yeah, hi, hi. Huh? Uh, and then and then a very interesting thing did happen where a pastor turned up from Adelaide. His name is David Hall, and he's the son of a guy called Tim Hall. I don't know these people. the South yeah. Australian pastors and um david had been david had come out to sit next to the houstons and somehow we got chatting you know and and that's when it became apparent to me how kind of intimidated these people are by someone who'll stand up to them people are so frightened of them and yet i think they're just way more frightened of of us or having to have any confrontation that doesn't fit their their narrative, because it's a one way show, you know what well I mean, he doesn't narrative. have
1: his security there to to protect him from you getting near him, you know well,
2: Does he well, it's not I mean it's not a physical threat that I think they're worried about as much as perhaps a theological or an intellectual one um mm-hmm. or someone who's you know gonna gonna ask questions about things that they've said because there's no q and a at the end of church, is there? no.
1: No no there, there there would never be opportunities to have a Q&A at church.
2: Well because I'm a, um because I'm a smarty pants I then when made I was doing daily videos on you know what had happened at court during the day and I made a video that day after I'd spoken with uh, with David and Said, oh my goodness, like you know, this pastor had spoken to me and he didn't even die on the spot. And like, wow, because this is the second, the second time a leader from Hillsong has initiated contact with me. So, for all of their monopoly on God and truth and you know, answers to everything, it's been so interesting because I've never had much of sorry, because in all my time. Not one Hillsong Christian person has reached out to say, "Hey, what's your problem? What are you on about? Do you know Jesus?" But none of that. I have heard from people who I knew before I left, people from youth group who might still be in there, but not one Christian person going. Wonder what's wrong with this girl? Is she upset? Is she angry? Is she possessed? Nothing. I had when I went to the Royal Commission in 2014, Krishan made conversation with me yeah wow
1: I remember when he was young
2: (laughs) we were all young in 20 so yeah so so the next day after this video had gone out and you know I don't know um who knows what conversation had been had after I was so it was just in the morning and and just sort of after well it must have been just before court started or in a break or something I did run into Brian again outside the courtroom, just in the hallway there. And he turned to me. And after 23 years, I think it's been 23 years since we've had any conversation. There's a 23 years Brian decided to break his silence and speak to me. And he said to me, How's your new friend David Hall going? Oh God. And I said, Oh yeah, good. I said he's only the second one of your boys that's ever talked to me in ten years. So it was good, and I, I couldn't help but wonder, like you were asking before, like I wonder if he still sees me as Alan's daughter. Like you know what I mean? Because got to tell you, back in the day, my dad was um, while they were still poor, we were kind of comparatively well off, and uh, Brian liked my dad, and he liked those checks that my dad was giving him. And I always think, you know, they don't really see me. They you know, I'm female for a start, so I'm invisible completely in the system. But, you know, if anything, you just see Alan's daughter. And so I said to him, I said, you know, when you look at me, I've said, do you see me or do you see my dad? And his face went blank. So he's like, yeah, long forgotten. He, his face went blank. And I said, do you see me or Alan? And he said, oh, yeah, both. I see both. And he goes, and I remember dedicating your son too you back in the day. I said, oh, okay. And that was it. That was my interaction with brian good lord that was it
1: there are so many things that is wrong with that interaction like it's just that's an entire episode of this podcast just unpacking that conversation
2: you know i as like you revert back into your role so quickly and you
1: hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: No, I just became
2: a kid from Powerhouse. Like, hey, Pastor Brian. Um, because the running joke as well was Pat Mercedes was also financially supported by my dad at some point too. Like Pat had said he was 28 years old. And he said, you know, he, if he'd got a full-time job, he couldn't minister. So what he needed was a group of people to support him financially so he could spread the word. Uh, and I know my dad contributed to some of that. Every time I saw Pat Mercedes at church, he would look at me and go, hi, Tanya, how's your dad? <laughs> right? So wow. I figured that's how they saw me.
1: You know, it's it's interesting, right? We, we 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 look at people like Brian and we see the power that they seem to have accumulated behind, you know, like behind what they've done. And you know, it really is like leadership with fear, isn't it? It it really is leading people by making it very clear to them that you have no right to question me. Yeah. I remember. I don't know about you, but like I remember pre Hillsong, pre Liverpool Christian Life Centre, where I went, and which obviously we've discussed in the episode that you did with me. You know, pre those churches, I remember you used to be able to walk up to the senior pastor of your church and say hi at the end. But then all of a sudden, this this Kratos from God of War looking character named Dion appeared next to Brian for a while there. Oh, okay. And Dion was like, a, I'm going to say nearly seven foot tall, beautiful Maori fella, like just absolutely really, really lovely guy. Had the gentlest heart in the world. And I actually got along really well with Dion and, and you know he was always really encouraging towards me and, and, and to me. And... My very first, uh, I guess, run in with Dion, where Dion and I had not words, but just like I got a look. Was when I was waiting for a friend to leave uh, a church service. Brian was on his way out. Uh, my football team had just beaten Brian's football team, and I yelled something over to Brian, knowing that he's a Parramatta Eels fan. Going out, yeah, looks like Jason Stevens, the Cronulla Sharks, uh, Cronulla Sharks player that I went through, who was also one of Brian's little, you know, pet projects, because you know we've got this professional football player who's a Pentecostal Christian now. Uh, so it looked like Jason Stevens got one over you, huh? And Brian walked up to me punched me in the arm like jokingly and I went to do the same thing and then Dion stepped between Brian and myself (laughs) I'm like oh sorry you know I'm just like okay cool that was an interesting interaction and I remember going away from that and thinking god if I'm not even allowed to get within a couple of meters of Brian to punch the so-and-so back what hope do I have of ever having a theological conversation with my so-called shepherd
2: yeah zero and I thank you for that because you kind of understand then why I would have written a letter like, hi, Bobby and Brian, I'm writing a book. Do you want to be part of that? So that naive, right? Like we're, it's a, it's a bait and switch. So, you know, you get told we're all friends here and we're all the same and you all matter before God, Mm. but Mm, not too close. Well, Look,
1: look, what I, I I do have one last question I want to ask you, and this is a pretty, pretty, pretty full on question. And I think it's going to warrant some unpacking.
0: Right.
1: Over the years, since you started leaving Hillsong, you have had engagement with a lot of people both on and off this podcast, and you have been a proxy counselor to people who have gone through some horrific things in their life. Some of it you've spoken to us about, and you've introduced us to some incredible people over the years on your podcast. Others, you're not in a position to speak about because of the trauma that people have gone through and and they've come to you privately to have those discussions with you. And I know that that's taken a toll on you. What I want to know, last week, Brian reposted a post that somebody else had posted with really interesting comments about trauma. And the post said something along the lines of, be wary of people wanting to capitalize off your trauma. Now, as a man who, is responsible for a lot of that trauma. I want to place you and Brian in a closed room, just the two of you. You've just read that post. How would you respond to Brian?
2: Hillsong is based on capitalizing on people's trauma we find that those are the people that are most, sorry, people who have experienced, I mean, everybody's got trauma in their background, but people who are, the kinds of people we find in congregations like this are people who often have had extensive trauma experiences and are looking for healing that is promised. And that vulnerability has been capitalized on in so many ways time and time again I couldn't even begin to tell you the exploitation of people's trauma that gets that that's been exploited and revamped and served up back to them as their responsibility to then go and serve Hillsong for giving them the answers that are really just capitalizing on their trauma does that make any sense at all
1: yeah yeah it does it uh, does yeah.
2: but I mean me and you know me and Brian in a closed room are there windows in this room
1: no no, no it's, it's just the, the two of you and that's it
2: I, I don't know that I think f- I have found it interesting the kinds of terms that are coming out on social media from these people they're being coached by somebody they don't know about words like narratives and trauma informed and they make for great tweets they make for great speeches on stages but to actually engage in that conversation what do you mean by capitalizing on someone's trauma Brian I don't know if they have the capacity to elaborate or expand it's a one-way show it's a it's an event it's just live content that's what these places are they're not interactive healing places do you know what I mean if there are no there are no kind of pastoral care services anymore. If you want answers to your questions, you go to your connect group. As you're mm. saying, you're not allowed to interact with your pasty. They get on stage, they say their thing, and they go, and they don't have to justify it. So, you know, these are some really great, more modern sounding clips from social media, but I don't think I don't think they translate into very much at all. Mm. You know, except for somebody's taught them you know more common buzzwords it's just an updating of phrases
1: yeah yeah it's it's i find the idea of be wary of people capitalizing off your trauma to be really probably one of the most offensive things that brian has said in recent times and the reason why i find that is because quite frankly without capitalizing on people's trauma there is no hillsong church
2: yeah, absolutely. People don't. And I mean, people
1: <laughs> don't go to church when things are good. They go to church when things are bad.
2: Well, particularly that church. So, I mean, a lot. A lot of people might go to a more traditional, mainstream church as a regular ritual thing. It's a cultural thing. You go on Sundays, or you're part of that community. But this is a place that advertises itself as having answers, and you know, like you said, welcome home. Here's your family. Except there's no talking back. Uh, mm. So you know, people with trauma have gone there, seeking those answers they're promised, and uh, yeah, it's 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 like the the main factor in what can be exploited and reused. I mean, why do people end up? I don't know. Maybe we don't want to do that. I'm thinking about in terms like you said. There'd be no Hillsong if they couldn't exploit the good faith of Bible college students to run the conferences. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, capitalizing on somebody's trauma. It's certainly capitalizing on vulnerability and good intentions.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I will say, you know, for everything in the Bible uh, about, you know, looking after your brother, you know, being your brother's keeper and, you know, like bringing people into the house of, of, of healing and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of scriptures there that talk about bringing people into the fold. There's not a lot of scriptures there about kicking them out of it.
2: Well, there is, there's that one about the sheep, right? The the 99 sheep and the one goes running off and.
1: But that, that implies, that implies that Hillsong Church and Brian see themselves as the shepherd. And if you don't mind me saying, Brian's not the shepherd. Brian's just another sheep. The ultimate shepherd is Jesus Christ, if, if we're going by the Gospels. Yeah. So uh-huh. Brian and, and George and, and Johnny Mac down at Liverpool CLC and every other pastor who has ever kicked somebody out of a church for something that is so benign as questioning has no right to do that. And I find it really fascinating that these people who have kicked out congregants because they're asking questions, are themselves having some very serious moral questions being asked of them. And in the case of some of them, like Mr. McMartin down in Liverpool, are being found guilty of those serious moral failings. But I don't see anyone kicking him out of the church that he kicked people out of.
2: Well, no, I think they're allowed to leave. With their dignity intact. Yeah, I mean once again, you know, according to the standard operating procedure that they applied to the the seed of this place, the the pedophile Frank Houston, you know, the, the care is put onto the leader. There's all kinds of uh, statements coming out at the moment don't because you know they've got to be a lot of pastors wondering if they're the ones getting a knock on the door next and Mm. they're putting out all kinds of statements we're here for you we're loyal you know even if you make mistakes that's what we're all here for it's the the person in power that is always attended to first yeah the victims barely get a mention if at all uh and yeah i mean look, I know it's not my place to dictate how people run churches. There's certainly words in the, there's certainly verses about, you know, expel the immoral brother, all that kind of thing. But I tell you what, the the, um, the old school of Hillsong includes a lot of, lot of people who were thrown out and told not to return for either much more minor incidents and certainly so many people who had marriage problems or an affair or a divorce or, you know, and they they didn't go along with the moral expectations and they were discarded and they're very unimpressed.
1: Well, look, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. If, if the man who stumbled into a woman's hotel room at Sydney Olympic Park having just taken sleeping pills and blind drunk off his face, if that man's name wasn't Brian Houston, they would have been expelled from Hillsong Church, regardless.
2: Would they?
0: Well... What if nobody...
1: They'd, they'd be welcome back in 12 to 18 months time, because according to the ACC policies, there are uh, restitution plans in place for those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Restoration. Um, but if it wasn't Brian Houston walking into that room, no one would have believed the story that was was, was sent out. No one would have believed that story. Oh no no yeah, no no if, we didn't do anything we if, if if the guy who walked into that lady's room if his name was not Brian Houston if it was somebody else somebody else if it was Tanya Levine walking into someone else's hotel room and committing that very very questionable set of um behaviors what,
2: what? you don't know what happened nothing happened because nobody can remember what happened for 40 minutes so but this the, is what
1: i'm saying though if the if CEO
2: wasn't... The CEO of this company has memory lapses for up to 40 minutes at a time. Um, mm-hmm. That's a concern in itself. I, Luca, I disagree. I think it's all about who would find out. So, uh, regardless of the name, uh, as if it could be kept quiet. I mean, I had a volunteer contact not long after it happened that said it's just been like one wild frat party during these conferences because these are these are exclusive hotels and as a five star hotel you can only access certain levels if you've got you know the key and so the upper echelon were having a damn good time in between and people were wandering in and out of rooms apparently in underwear and all states of undress and drunkenness it's not it's not an uncommon behaviour apparently to be a little bit loose at conference when you're a pastor and you're drunk on sleeping pills. So, I mean,
1: I guess everyone has to have a schoolies experience once or twice a year, don't they?
2: Well, <laughs> because Hillsong
1: conference is starting to sound a lot like schoolies for preachers.
2: Well, I mean, if this were, I mean, I, I, if this were a regular, you tell me if this were a regular corporate organization and the CEO had lost his key and lost 40 minutes of time, I, what would happen I mean
1: it's hard to know because it, it's it's hard to know like okay if there are corporate policies in place which you would think in a, an environment like Song, there would be corporate policies in place yeah if there were corporate policies in place that pre- prevented inter-office relationships then probably the woman because generically you'll find you know in Australian culture the woman mm. is going to be the person who is is not the person in power uh, the woman would probably be reprimanded, while the man would be told, you know, don't do it again.
2: Then it sounds like whatever's taken place in this hill song has taken place in a perfect cultural context, hasn't it?
0: Absolutely.
2: The old Aussie yes. larrikin, the old funster Australian. Yep. Yeah, all in a mm-hmm. good time, couple of drinks, it's all, all right.
1: Hi, look, this has been great. I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit more, and I hope your listeners have enjoyed knowing a bit more about your backstory as well, because we hear your voice, and you have been a bit of a beacon for hope, uh, a beacon for healing for a lot of people. I know for myself, definitely, you know, meeting you has definitely been a cathartic process for me in processing the trauma that I experienced. So on on behalf of all of the listeners who don't get to talk to you um, uh, and have a relationship with you, and everyone else who does as well, I want to thank you for what you do.
2: Thank you. I want you to know
1: that you're appreciated. And I also want you to know that, you know, we we do understand that you have a lot of people who come to you seeking help and know that you're not alone in supporting those people. And if you ever need help, I know I'm not the only one who's going to say this. Feel free to reach out because you're amazing.
2: Thank you. Despite what everyone's told you. We need more supporters. We need more people to talk to people. The connections are what's bringing the healing, as you know, out of isolation. Mm. So thank you. Mm -hmm.
1: Don't forget, everybody, keep leaving Hillsong.
2: Keep leaving Hillsong. The best is yet to come out.
1: (laughs) No, I already came out years ago.
2: (laughs) Ah, You
1: are the best. Bye, honey. Bye.